Welcome to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. In this podcast, we will be speaking with various real estate and business professionals about real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and financial freedom. So, if you're interested in learning about real estate investing, then stay tuned and be sure to take advantage of the free tips and strategies that will be shared by our weekly guests. And now, your host, Penny Lubinsky. Hello and welcome back to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast. I'm your host, Penny Lubinsky. Um, today, our guest is going to be Vish Mooney. I'm re really excited for the conversation um, and I'm going to bring him in in a minute. I just want to quickly plug the podcast and say that if anyone or everyone is enjoying the podcast and if you find this um, content to be valuable, please go ahead and leave a rating, review, um, and like the podcast. This helps us get noticed. It helps us um, grow. It helps us grow the podcast. So please uh, be sure to do that if you're enjoying the content. If not, please reach out. Let me know what I can do different and what I can do better. But with that being said, I'm going to uh, bring Vish into the show in just a minute. Vish is the founder of PGL Properties based out of Belton, Texas. Um, he's a certified real estate agent. He's done single family, duplex, fourplexes. And in 2019, he actually tr transitioned into larger multifamily deals um, and since has done five syndications. So he has quite a bit of experience and, you know, a, a lot of different size of rental properties ranging from single family up to large syndications. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Vish, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Penny, for having me on your show. Absolutely. I'm excited to get into this conversation. Uh, Vish, why don't you start out by uh, walking us through what you kind of did before real estate and then through the process of, you know, single family duplexes and then eventually into larger multifamilies. Well, before getting into real estate, I used to be an IT person, a technology person. I was a, a certified Salesforce administrator and that's a CRM pack. CRM software, Salesforce owns, Salesforce has more than 40% market share in the, in the world. Right. And, and that is what I did. I was in technology and I enjoyed every bit of it. But uh, there was something missing in the technology. I wanted something, some business which has to get me money even when I'm sleeping. The money had to work harder than what I was working. And uh, that is how I discovered uh, real estate. Real estate has always been with me, but uh, this gave me an extra push to get into real estate. Okay. And then you, you said that the money has to be working harder than you are working. So that's obviously, you know, a tremendous mindset. And it usually takes a certain realization in life uh, for people to make that mindset shift that, hey, we got to make our money work for us instead of us just working for you know, trading our work for time. What kind of like sparked that that thought? What what got you interested in saying, "Hey, we need to start doing things a little differently"? Well, my uh, my uh, the way of the way I like to live my life is revolves everything around my lifestyle. That uh, what what is lifestyle? Everybody has a different lifestyle. I like to spend time with my family. And things that matter to me, like uh, fitness, like traveling, community service. And uh, these are the things where if I'm at a nine to five job, I'm, I'm actually being 
working on somebody else's schedule. It is not my schedule. So I wanted to do something where I can set my own schedule. I should be able to go spend uh, two hours in the community on any given day without my business hurting and without answering to anyone. And that is the community service. I'm a big believer in that. You need to give back to whichever community you live in. And that was one. And I, with the spending time with my family, because we all are given one shot and one time with, my, with our families, we can't tell, well, I'm going to spend time two months from now with you. But no, two months from now, anything could go wrong. Why two months? Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Why wait for two months? So, so these are the things which got me motivated. And that is why I had to get into some business where I could uh, do what I like and still get paid. Right. I love that. And, you know, you're reminding me, I read this in, I, I think it was Joe Fearless's book. Um, he mentions like what's driving him what is like why is he doing what he's doing why is he why does he want to get so many people passive income why does he want to inspire and help people learn and grow into real estate so that they can um you know get passive income to have more freedom and he says his underlying reason is kind of like what you just alluded to was that he believes that every single person has a greater purpose. Every single person, most people, he believes that most people are good people. And if they only had more free time in their lives, they'd be able to accomplish way more um, positive, you know, positive things in life. So that's why, you know, the power of getting involved in real estate and being your own boss and, and controlling your own time allows you to kind of, like you just said, um, work in the community or spend time with family um, and just be up to greater things than just, you know, making your boss wealthy in a nine to five job. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's, it's a phenomenal mindset. And I, I kind of agree with him also that most people are good people. And if they only had more time and freedom, um, a lot more like good things would come out of it. Um, for themselves, their family, and their communities. So that's yeah, that, that's a great that's a great thing, and and I I, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, my my question to you is, how did the transition go from single family duplexes into multifamily? Like, was that hard um, to kind of make that pivot into multifamily, or did it come smoothly? Um, how did that go? Well, I would say it's a it's a, it's a good and bad because uh, it's a good thing. I got started with single family because uh, I thought I knew everything in real estate when I got started in single family. But it took me 10 years to realize there is a better way to, to invest in real estate. And during this 10 years, I learned so much. I don't think I would have learned if I'd not started with single family. But no doubt the 10 years is a lot of time spent, but I think it was worth it. But what, what, uh, at what point I decided to transition into multifamily, after, after investing for 10 years in single family, I took a step back to see why is it I'm not as wealthy as what people talk about. And at that point, I realized what I was doing is right, but it's going to take me a lot more time a lot more sleepless nights. And when I started looking into other asset classes and how people were buying very expensive real estate, and that caught my attention. 
And that is when I started <clears throat> looking, researching a little more. And I joined a lot of networking groups in Austin. And I, I started reading, following uh, Donald Trump, because the real estate. And I read a couple of his books. And that got me connected to Dave Lindahl. Dave Lindahl was coaching. And that is how I, I do, did the transition to multifamily investing. And even before joining any of these programs, because of my networking uh, and connecting with people and risk-taking potential, I had invested in multiple syndications as a, a limited partner. And once I saw the benefits and how easy it is to scale, well, the, you bring in a pool of talented people with like-minded people. And that is what, and there was no looking back after that. Right. And it's interesting what you're saying that like you did single family for 10 years and like you were just realizing that like, hey, how come you're not, you're not as wealthy as like people talk about or some other people that are doing larger deals. And I can relate, a, I mean, not as much to that because I was, I only, my entire um, single family career was pretty much one deal. Um, that was about a couple of years ago. And I remember like working so hard for that deal and, you know, going, walking through the property and, you know, underwriting maybe 35, 40 properties till we got this one and then negotiating and then finally closing. This was in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And then when it came time for, okay, here we go, let's get some passive income. Um, I don't remember exact the numbers, but like, it was something like two, $300 a month. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, like, I just worked so hard for this. And this is the passive income that everyone's talking about. <laughs> I was like a little disappointed. But the truth is, had I built it up and continued to, you know, buy a property a month for years and years, I mean, you could make good money on that. But the problem was like, I just wasn't willing to um, do that. I wasn't willing to, you know, transact on 100, 300, 500 single family houses. And so that's when I, I decided to make the mindset shift into into multifamily. And I'm glad I did. Uh, my question is, um, so you're now involved in multifamily syndications. Um, so obviously you mentioned that you have invested passively as an investor on a couple of deals, but the ones that you're not passive on, the ones that you're active on, what kind of role do you play in those deals? Well, I, I play multiple roles in these deals. Now, one, number one was uh, I spent time on the due diligence I, okay. I, I partner with the sponsorship team and I walk the property with them on a due diligence. And I become, and I also did the capital raise for these properties. So the capital raise and doing due diligence and I do the asset management, also participate in asset management calls. And this is my three main roles on the team. And also, in some cases, I put the whole sponsorship team together. So the, the, these are the four things I, I love to do. And now I want to take a step up. I want to step up and then syndicate my own deals. Okay, so you want to be the main sponsor right. um, on these deals after you've got the experience of doing right. all this stuff. And do you feel like by being an LP, by being a passive investor first, that has helped you be able to accomplish these things? Cause like due diligence is not something anyone learns overnight or is not anything, it's not nothing that you're born with. Um, is that something that you learned from being an LP or from the single families? Well, well, I did learn a lot from the single families and then also decided to, I, 
uh, I mean, I was curious to know how the due diligence worked in multifamily. It is a lot more organized, a lot more methodical, and, uh, and everything is based on the outcome of the due diligence. And it's, uh, so that is how I got involved with the due diligence process also. And between an LP and uh, being starting off as an LP before doing a GP deal, well, that is that is up to an individual how they what they what, what they finally want to do, what is their outcome. Right. So that that changes from person to person. But I would always be involved in a GP uh, LP deals, and also investing in uh, as a capital raiser, and also syndicate my own deals. For reason being. There's a whole multifamily investing and is a team sport. Right. So I need to wear multiple hats. And I might specialize in one aspect of it, but nevertheless, since it is a team sport, like I need to work with you on, on the new deal. Only because I know you, I need to I need to value relationship, value your time. And if I don't trust you with your deal, you're not going to trust me with my deal. Right. Right. So, so that way, I always need to be investing in other people's deals. Also, I can't be, I can't be too selfish by telling no, I'm the best. No, I'm not the best. So I need to, I need to have a team to work together. I mean, that is the biggest difference between a single family and multi-family. Right, is more way, way more heavily relying on the the actual team, right. and and I agree with that. Can we dive a little bit deeper into due diligence? So that's something that we haven't covered on this podcast in in quite a bit. Um, what are some of the? I mean, everyone talks about how you know um the due diligence for a multifamily project, especially when you're bringing in investors. That's it, it's a little bit high strung. <clears throat> it's a little bit you know stressful, and you know there's a time deadline and there's a lot of items. What are some of the items that we're we're looking for doing due diligence, and what is like what's the main objective? What are we, what's the, the underlying main, main objective that we're trying to accomplish in this time? Well, well when you do due diligence, you walk, uh, make sure you walk. Uh, if, you're, if you are anyone wanting to do due diligence, you go, uh, one is you pick the team who's doing the due diligence because one person can't do due diligence on a 100-unit apartment complex. Right. So, so you need to <clears throat> go with a few people who are walking around the properties with an iPad or with a laptop. And if you want to know more, you ask them, what are they do? What are they basically looking in for in the, in the property with the due, due, due diligence? You look for the door frames, what has happened. And you look for the flooring to see if there's any water damage. And you go to the kitchen, you go under the kitchen sink to, to see if the faucets has been leaking, the countertops, the appliances, the refrigerator, the wiring, you look for the wiring and uh, you look for uh, any wet spots. So there are and foundation and the rooftop. And there are, there are I mean, uh, if you look at it, there are mostly that uh, you can, uh, you can come together, put together at least about 60 to 70 things what one looks for. If me and wow. you go all by ourselves, I don't think we'll be able to, look for everything. And, and even if you're looking for it, where do you need to spend time? Which one carries more weight? When you want to retrade, is it really worth it or not worth it? So how do you, how do you arrive at what is the CapEx item going to be? How much you want to set aside? So this is a very interesting part because people, I don't know how many give weightage to this 
due diligence because from the look of the apartment, everything looks good. But you need to right. find out, is it really worth paying that X amount of dollars? Only after due diligence, you would know about it. Because right. I, I pay a lot of weightage to due diligence because taking down a deal is the easiest part. But the due diligence and after you take over the property or how you manage that asset makes all the difference. Right. That makes sense. And like, okay, so just understand. So there's, <clears throat> there's the, all the understanding that you have when you're doing the acquisitions part, the uh, seller is giving you his information, his uh, T12 and, <clears throat> and the OM and all of his projections. And basically um, you had underwritten your deal a certain way. And now you're saying the point of um, the entire due diligence process is to say, okay, so according to the way we thought it was, is it gonna, is it gonna, is, is the actual property running um, according to those, according to those projections that we thought? Um, and sometimes it can be a little better. Sometimes it can be a little worse, but that's the, the basic job during due diligence is to say, hey, is this actually true? Is everything that the seller disclosed true? Are there this and this many um, tenants in the in the uh, units? Or are there that many vacancies? Or is there this, any damages or whatever else is going on? And that's kind of your goal over, over due diligence. Um, did you ever have anything that um, was like, crazy good unexpected or or crazy bad unexpected during due diligence that kind of made the deal so much better or kind of made the deal fall apart in your experience well one there is a couple of things so one is uh, uh, what what is basically surprising is when you do the rental audit because right. because when you underwrite when you put in an loi the occupancy is at let's say for argument's sake it's 80 percent and, and then by the time you do a due diligence, another 30 days or 45 days, the occupancy drop by another 5%, which you would not know. Right. So, so unless you do the rental audit, so these are the things you, one could oversee. You might miss out on it big time. And uh, when you go to the lender and the lender asks for a lot more details in terms of the occupancy and what is the economic loss and what is a uh, and, and that is when you get into bigger trouble. So that is why it is equally important. One is the physical aspect of it. Another one is looking at the bank statements and the collections. So right. these are the things I've seen in one or two deals where it is the seller refused to retrade and we had to back walk away from that deal. Right. And that, that's always unfortunate when that happens. Yeah. But um, we, we actually, I heard of... Um, a story one time, I mean, I know this happens a lot, but someone was a close friend of mine was telling me that he was under contract on a deal. Uh, they ended up closing the deal, actually. But what happened was while they were under contract um, and there were a certain, let's say they were, I don't remember exact numbers, but let's say they were 80% occupied um, and, it, you know, it's 20% vacancy. And the deal was that by the time closing comes, they would only have a 10% vacancy. So they'd fill up that, you know, 10% difference. And um, what happened was they actually did fill it up, but they filled it up with really, really poor quality tenants. And then that ended up being a huge headache for my friend when he took over the property because now, okay, yeah, it's 90% occupied and that, that's great. But, you know, 10% of those tenants are trash tenants that are not paying and wrecking the place and just a massive, massive headache. So, you know, that's something that like, you know, happens unfortunately a lot. 
Um, what we're kind of doing is we, we have a, a deal in Houston that's under contract set to close soon. Um, and this was, this is um, a loan assumption. So it's a pretty long um, time that it's under contract. So the agreement that we made actually with the seller was that every single new tenant, every single new lease that's being signed, we, signed, we have to approve um, in this time, just because we don't want them to just stuff it up um, for the sake of you know, filling the property. Um, we, you know, we care about the quality of the tenants because we're, we're going to be the ones taking it over and we don't want to have to deal with all the headaches that they created. So I think, you know, that's one way to, to deal with that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a stressful time. And it's definitely like, there's a lot of like question marks that need to be answered. And it's, it's definitely like, that's what I'm saying, like for you to get involved in due, due diligence, that's a tremendous way to like gain experience and like really like learn and grow like on a quicker scale because just the hands-on experience you're getting from that is is insane um i want to just dive into one one more question before we get to the 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 last segment um you know people are talking about and we kind of know it's coming in 2022 they're talking about interest rates rising and i'm just curious from your perspective how do you see that like affecting the real estate market on a whole well, we're going to find more uh, renters. I think that is an advantage for all the apartment investors. Okay. Because uh, sooner or later, not too many people want to buy a single family homes because the interest rates are raising. And people have cash. And they, at this point in time, when the real estate market itself is so hot, if I were to go buy a property, I will not do that. I would say, you know what? Why should I pay high interest rates? I might as well go rent. I have less headaches. I don't need to worry about the interest rates, the maintenance, the taxes, the insurance, the yard. Right, right. And I don't need to make a trip to Home Depot every weekend. And uh, that's a potential for uh, apartment investors. Okay. So you see it as helping invest, uh, apartments. I mean, obviously yeah. interest rates going up could affect, right. You're saying it's more affecting the home buyers right. um, and it'll, it'll make it harder for them to get approved and, 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 you know, for them to work it into their finances, uh, right. which then makes it, makes them want to rent easier because that's just, you know, a lot easier for them. Okay. That makes sense. Right. Because I would look at it as a, as a bigger potential for investors. Right. Okay. There's going to be a higher demand to rent properties. Right. So as landlords and syndicators, that's good for us. Yeah. Right. I kind of, I kind of agree with you there and um, I look kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm also right. hoping it'll, I mean, I'm also hoping it'll soften the market just a little bit. The market's really hot. It's hard to find deals. It's hard to, you know, get things to pencil out. And I'm kind of hoping by interest rates rising a little bit, it'll knock out a little bit of the competition, but who knows, I guess we'll find out when, when that actually happens. Right. Well, there'll always be an institutional buyers who wouldn't worry too much about the interest rates. Right, right. And uh, people with uh, more deeper pockets would say, I think they would end up buying it at the right time. Because if, if it is just me and you putting money out of pocket, it's going to hurt us badly at that interest rates. Right, right. Okay. Um, all right. Let's move on to the final segment, which is the, the final four questions here. This is more like rapid question answer type. What is your why? My biggest why is uh, my health. I want to make sure I stay healthy at all times. If I'm not healthy, I will not be able to do the things which I, which I love to do. Spend time with my family, travel, and keep getting more time and community service. So these are my three biggest whys. Okay. Excellent. 
And what is your favorite book? My favorite book is Sell or Be Sold from Grant Cardone. This book might sound silly or, or not that exciting, but but everything what you do in life is all about selling. If you don't, if you're not, if you don't know how to communicate, if you're not confident in your product, no matter how educated you are, nobody's right. going to buy. Because uh, I, my recommendation is everyone should read this because the, the term uh, sales itself as a bad the way people look at it as a different so they need right. to learn that every one of us are in a sales business on every every day right and I, I could resonate with that because I like I feel like I'm the kind of person that I don't like to push things on people and I don't like to you know force or make people uncomfortable to take something that they don't really want to take but I will say though and I, I happen to be a massive fan of Grant Cardone just so you know um, but I will say that selling um, a multifamily project to investors I feel like that is a little bit easier for me than than anything else I've had to do in the past because it's such a good product. Like I really believe it's a great product. It's hedged against inflation. It's cash flow, appreciation, equity. Um, if you're getting into a right a good deal with good sponsors and a good market, um, it's just a great product. And I find like when you're selling something that's such a good product, like like multifamily syndication is, it really just makes it easier. But definitely like I, I'm a I'm a very big fan of his. And like that's a book I haven't read. I did read the 10X thing, but I never read the uh seller be sold. I'm gonna put that on the list and hopefully get to that soon. Well it's 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 simple. It's it is a process because right. if if you're walking into a store, which means mentally you decided to buy something from that store, that is why you're taking time and going to that store. You already sold on that product, you already sold on the location. So you know what to buy and you don't like someone selling to you, but you will buy it if nobody tells you, nobody forces it down your throat. Right. Right. Interesting. Right. It's a, it's a process. Once you understand the process, it's it's very clear. Because I use this terminology in real estate called clear. C, C stands for cash flow. L is for leverage. E is for equity. And A is for appreciation. And R is for risk. So you ex break it down and explain it to people. It's the selling is easy. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. What what advice would you give somebody just looking to get started in real estate? Uh, get educated, have a mentor, and uh, and then they should take some risks. Because once they're educated enough, once they have the right mentors, and then it becomes all the more easier for them to scale up. They shouldn't, they wouldn't waste 10 years the way I did it. I wouldn't say it's wasted. I would say it is a slow learning. It is a 10-year process. But they can, they can speed up the whole 10-year learning in just one year if they get educated enough and have the right mentor. Yeah, no, I agree. And I actually did... Um... <clears throat> I did get a mentor in multifamily and I, I'm a very big fan of that. Like, I, I think there's a lot of different kinds and types of mentors and everyone has to find one that fits, you know, their style of learning. Uh, but definitely like why waste, you know, triple the amount of time and make triple the amount of mistakes on your own. Yes, you'll eventually get there. You'll eventually learn it. But why not speed up the process? You're going to save a lot of time and money if you just pay somebody now up front to, um you know, to, to teach you and show you, show you the, the ropes of how, how multifamily works. So I'm definitely in agreement well, with that. Well, ed education comes at a price, whether you, it's like uh, death and taxes. You, you can only differ. You can't avoid. 
for the education either you pay up front or you pay over a period of 10 years <laughs> exactly exactly i mean unless you're lucky yeah. you could be lucky and like you're yeah. you could have like your dad or your best friend that's in real estate that's willing to coach you for free right. um, but i i wasn't that lucky so i had to pay <laughs> yeah right um all right. Uh, what is your favorite hobby? Well, my favorite hobby is uh, fitness. I love to work out. And uh, my favorite workout is I uh, like CrossFit. Because okay. it, it, uh, it involves everything what I like for. It involves cardio, strength, conditioning, and you're with a group of people working out. And, and I, love, I love traveling and uh, networking. So, uh, okay, beautiful. And if somebody wants to reach you, how can you be reached? How can they contact you? Well, uh, I could leave my number or they could visit my website. My my phone number is, uh, you want me to sir? It's 254-444-7300. Either they can text me or call me. Okay, excellent. And um, what about your email? I guess I can post that on the show notes or if you want, you can yeah. just announce that now. Yeah, you can, you can post it. All right, we'll just do that. Excellent. All right. Well, Vish, thank you very much for joining the show. This, these were great conversations. You really, you know, shed a lot of light into the multifamily industry and your journey and how everything went down. So definitely thanks for joining today and I'm wishing you lots of success. Happy holidays and uh, yeah, lots of success going forward. Thank you, Penny, once again for having me on your show. It was a pleasure being here. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Ventures Podcast with Penny Lubinsky. For more free, valuable content, visit plcapitalventures.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and rating on iTunes and subscribe to our channel. This helps the podcast grow and get noticed. See you next time.